Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Well, good morning. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning on a Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. You guys are super human. I feel like when you have a baby, you shift into a different gear. Like there's a mom gear that you go into. So we honor you. We appreciate you. We love you. And then, of course, to those of you who maybe Mother's Day isn't the happiest day on the calendar and maybe you feel a little dread because you're grieving the loss of your mom in heaven today or maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your mom or maybe you're still believing to be a mom yourself. I want you to know that we see you and we celebrate you as well as the the theas and the the sisters and the daughters that you are as well. And you know what? Motherhood is a powerful, incredible thing. Um, but it is not the source of your identity. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, It is probably part of your identity, but it is not the source of your identity. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. How many of you are ready to hear the word today? Ready? Let's do this. Let's just pray. Father, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. And we give you this service today. We're so grateful to be yours. We're so grateful that you're our God and we're your daughters and your sons. We're so grateful, Father, for the right to be in your house today to worship freely. I pray, God, that you'd put a guard over my mouth. May I speak your word boldly with confidence and with grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a story in the Old Testament of a woman named Hagar, and I'm not going to have them put this up this morning, but I just wanted to reference her briefly before I get into my message. This woman said, have I truly seen the God who sees me? And a lot of times we talk about this verse and we focus on him being the God who sees us, right? And that's a great thing. I'm going to get into that in a minute. He is the God who sees you. He is the God who notices you, but have you seen him? And I want to ask you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning to really look at him. What are some of the things that keep us from really truly seeing God for who he is? Sometimes it's shame. Maybe you've come in here today and Mother's Day marks something in your life that brings shame. Maybe you've come into here today and Mother's Day or just being at church itself, you kind of feel like maybe you want to hide a little bit. But I'm going to ask you today to let the shame fall away, let the frustrations fall away, let the anxieties fall away, and really, truly look at God for who he is. Because we refer to God as a father a lot, right? How many of you ever heard us refer to God our father? We sing about him being our father. We talk about him being our father. But even that, for many of you, is a trigger. And you're like, I don't know how to relate to God as a father because I don't have a good relationship with my earthly father. Thank God for earthly fathers who love their children. Amen? Thank God for men who love their wives and love their children and are good examples to us. I'm grateful for my earthly father who showed up the morning I was leaving for Egypt with a cup of coffee at 4 a.m. before he left for work. And he had no idea that I was scared to death in that moment to go to Egypt. (laughs) I was having a meltdown with God saying, are you sure you want me to go all the way to Egypt without my husband and without my friends and go preach the gospel? And my dad showed up with a cup of coffee that morning. And it did something for my soul and for my heart. And so I know many of you are fathers like that in this place. And I have a father-in-law who loves me and supports me in my calling and in my ministry. I have a husband who does that. I have spiritual brothers and brothers who do that. But sometimes hearing that God is our father is a trigger for us. And we don't know him as the father that he is. 
He's a father who loves us and sees us, who is a builder and never, he never tears us down, but he builds us up. He's always present. He loves us. He sees us as someone who's valuable and special and purposed and called for his, for his kingdom. And he is a loving father. And it's hard. It's hard to, to switch that off and switch into knowing him as your father. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to do that as I talk to you about who he is and who you are in him, okay? Let's look at this story that I've preached on several times recently. God just keeps giving me different angles of this same story. So if you've heard me preach on it recently, bear with me. It's going to be different today, okay? Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Let me hesitate there for just a minute. So I've read this verse a million times, but it wasn't until I went to the Middle East recently in Egypt that I truly experienced this. In the Middle East, they don't wait in line, okay? In the Middle East, they're not like politely waiting their turn to order coffee. They're not politely waiting their turn to get prayer at the altar. They are crushing and pressing in the busy streets, in the altars at the churches. I had people pulling me this way and people pulling me this way and people pulling on me this way in every single direction. And now when I read this verse, I'm like, oh, that's what Jesus was, was experiencing he was, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in against you. But Jesus said, uh-uh, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And so the first thing that I want to tell you about God, and the title of this message is To the One. You know, Jesus was great at ministering to the crowds, right? He fed the 5,000. How many of you have done that? You mamas in the house, y'all can cook for a bunch of people. I've never seen anything like it. Y'all can throw down, and it doesn't matter who shows up and who brings visitors and who brings guests and who brings plus ones. You got plenty, and then you got some left over. My grandma for Thanksgiving used to make 16 pies every Thanksgiving from scratch because every grandkid got their favorite kind of pie. That's my mama. And you can throw down and you can cook, but Jesus provided for the 5,000. And what's incredible about Jesus is that he could provide for the 5,000, and even in the crowds, he, re he recognized the one. And today's message is called To the One. And what I want to tell you is, number one, he notices you. God doesn't just see you. How many of you have ever felt seen but not noticed? How many of you have ever felt seen but ignored? How many of you have ever felt seen but maybe cast aside a little bit? But the good thing about God, our Father, is that he notices you. Mamas who are in dark seasons right now where you've got infants and newborns and you feel like you're just hiding out at home getting through the day, he notices you and he sees you. Mamas who maybe already you're in the empty nest part of your life and you're like, who am I and what do I do? My kids are gone. He notices you. 
He sees you. Men in the house, God notices you as a man of God with a calling and a purpose and a destiny that's greater than anything you could have ever imagined. And the enemy wants you to believe that God doesn't see you because he's so focused on the crowds, but that's not true. He notices the one. Not only does he, did he see her, but he, he actually cared. He didn't just see her pain. He didn't just see her need. He didn't just hear her prayer. He didn't just see, hear your prayers, but he actually cared enough to do something about it. And she could not go unnoticed in the presence of Jesus. Let me tell you something about this woman. She was hidden. She was cast aside by all of society. She wasn't even allowed to be in public. In fact, if you touched her or brushed against her, you were considered unclean. That's this woman's condition. She was an absolute, complete outcast, and yet Jesus noticed her. She could not go unnoticed in the presence of Jesus, and I'm going to tell you something, neither can we. When we truly get into the presence of God and we encounter God as our Father, we can no longer go unnoticed. And sometimes we want to go unnoticed. Sometimes we want to stay hidden. We don't want God to see what's really going on in our hearts. We don't want God to see what's really going on. But when we truly come to him and press through like she did, and we touch the hem of his garment, and we, we pursue him and we encounter him, we get noticed by him. Number two, he stops for you. Not only did he notice her, but he stopped for her. Jesus was on his way to perform another miracle. He was busy. He was surrounded by a crowd of people with needs. I remember being at the altar in Egypt, and I am not exaggerating. People were all the way around me, pressing. And as far as I could see, there's probably 400. And I was trying my best to pray for individual needs, but it was really hard to do when everyone had needs. Everyone had needed healing or prayer or, or, or salvation or something. But Jesus stopped for her on his way to another miracle to heal her and meet her need. And you mamas, y'all are really good at this. Y'all are really good at stopping what you're doing to hear your kids' needs. Mom, but mom, but mom. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. But mom, but mom, hold on. Let me finish doing what I'm doing. No, but mom, it's got to be right now. And then you're like, okay, babe, what is it? Mom, I found a worm. <laughs> wow, you did? Wow, baby. And you do your best to stop and really care about this worm. And you really, you really have a lot to do. You really have a lot on your mind. But you stop and you acknowledge the worm. And that's what Jesus does for us. He stops for us and he acknowledges our prayer. He acknowledges our pain. He acknowledges our need. And sometimes it's stupid and it's simple and it's meaningless. And you're like, there's greater needs in the world, God. But this is what's on my heart today. And so I'm going to bring it to you. You know, when I went off to college, I remember calling my mom. Because moms are good at stopping what they're doing to focus on you. So I thought... That's what she does. She stops what she's doing to focus on me, right? That's what moms do. But as I got older, I started calling my mom when I was in college or when I had moved out if I needed to know a recipe or if I, I was at the grocery store and I needed to know how to pick out a certain kind of meat or if I was, you know, driving to the store and I needed to know exactly what goes in this particular recipe ingredient or how much water do I give this plant so I don't kill it. All of these things that an adult child calls and asks their mom about, I started calling her about all these things, and finally one day she said, babe, 
I can't stop what I'm doing every time you call and go find the recipe that you need. And it dawned on me as an adult, a young adult, 20, 21, 22, I realized I can't, my mom can't stop what she's doing every time I need her to go get that recipe that I need right now because I'm in the grocery store and I need to know. And so now I'm 41 and I've learned, right? I'm so mature now. So now I text her and I'll say, hey, mom, when you have a minute, <laughs> hey, mom, when you have a second, could you send me that one recipe? But this is just a good example that Jesus stops for us. He stops what he's doing, and he acknowledges. He wasn't inconvenienced by her need. And I also want to challenge us this morning, how many times are we inconvenienced by the needs of others around us? Do we see the one? Do we see the one person who interrupts our day who needs Jesus? The cashier who, we're in a hurry, we're in a rush, she's having a bad day, and she's taking it out on us. We're in a hurry to get our stuff done, or we're in a hurry to move on to the next thing, or you're at work, and your boss or your coworker is having a rough day, and they're taking it out on you, and how many of us stop and are not inconvenienced by someone else's need to say, hey, is everything okay? Can I pray with you? Can I talk to you? Can we sit down and have a cup of coffee after work? Are we inconvenienced by other people's needs, or do we stop what we're doing and meet the needs of the one? Um, really quickly, another example of Jesus stopping for someone is the story of blind Bartimaeus. And I'm not going to read it this morning. But blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. He's sitting on the side of the road, right? He's blind. Hear me. He can't see. He's blind. He sees black, darkness. But he hears that Jesus is passing by. And so he starts calling out, Jesus, son of, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people, the Bible says that the people told him, shut up. Be quiet. He's got a lot going on. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got something to do. Be quiet. But Jesus stopped and responded and healed him. And I want to tell you something about this story. Jesus, in this moment, when he stopped and healed blind Bartimaeus, he was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. Jesus had a lot on his mind that day. He knew. He was human. He knew what was at the end of that long walk. He knew what was coming at the end of this long journey that he was on. People were pressing in on him, and I'm sure he's, he's thinking in his, he's God, but he's also fully man, and he's thinking about what he's about to endure, the suffering that he's about to encounter, the betrayal that he's about to face. And still, on his way, he heard someone cry out for help, and he stopped. The Bible says in, in um, let me just tell you the verse and reference really quick. The Bible says in Luke 18, 40, that Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. He stopped and he turned and he cared for the needs of this man. Jesus doesn't just notice you. He stops for you and he takes the time to care about your needs. But what blind Bartimaeus said was significant. I want you to hear this. The reason it stopped Jesus in his tracks, it wasn't just a call for help. How many of you have ever called out to God for help or called out to someone for help. But this wasn't just a cry for help. When he said Jesus, son of David, he was referring to Jesus as the Messiah. 
It was significant that he said, Jesus, son of David. He was saying, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the one who can fix me. I believe you're the one who can heal me. I believe you're the one who can bring me out of my darkness. He couldn't see Jesus in the natural because he was blind, but he could see in the spirit that he was the healer and the son of God. And because of that cry of faith, Jesus stopped in his tracks. Number three, he listens to you. God doesn't just hear you, but he listens to you. Do you really believe that? In the story of the woman with the issue of blood, as we were reading, it says that she pressed through the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment. Jesus said, who touched me? And knowing that she could not go unnoticed, she came, fell at his feet, and one of the translations of the Bible says that she told him the whole story. And how many of you men in the house know when a woman tells the whole story? She'd be telling the whole story, right? So this woman probably went back 12 years. She's like, well, there was this one doctor. And, you know, I didn't really like his bedside manner, but he was good at what he did, Lord, but he didn't, he couldn't really help me. So then I went to this other doctor. He was a little more expensive, but, you know, I really, I really felt like he was the one who could help me, but he couldn't help me either. And then, and then, Lord, there was this one, this one family that really rejected me, and, and I've tried over the years to, to be a part of society, but now, and she just kept going and going and going and going, right, men? You can nod your head. It's all right. We know. In my family, Matt's the one who tells the whole story. But I love it. (laughs) I love it that he's a talker. He comes home and he talks to me, and I love that. Most of the time. (laughs) So he, God, Jesus listened to the whole story, and then he said, daughter, go in faith. Go, your faith has healed you. But before he did that, he listened to her. Man, Jesus had a lot going on. I'm going to tell you something. I keep referring to it because it's, I can't get it out of my mind. The streets in the Middle East and the way that the noises and the, the th- all of the people and the, the, back then it wasn't probably, it wasn't horns, but it was chickens and goat and the market and all the noises and the sounds and the things and the pressing crowds, everything that was going on. He stopped and he listened to this woman's story. So many of us, we go to God, and we think we have to be robots, and we have to pray for God. Okay, Lord, here's my 14 confessions. Here's what I need from you. I'm going to say it perfectly. I'm going to believe that you're going to do something for me. And that is not the relationship we have with God as our Father. How many of you, if your child came to you and wasn't feeling good, running a fever, struggling through the day, and they came to you and said, Dad, I'm good, 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 I'm good. I believe I'm fine. I believe I'm fine. You'd be like, kid, what is wrong with you? We have to come to God as our Father. And here's the kicker. I talked this in my leadership team recently. We have to be real with God. We have to approach him as his child, come to him as his child and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. These are the fears of my heart. David is the perfect example in the Psalms that he would pour out his heart to God and tell him, my enemies are after me. I'm about to die. My my pillow is drenched in tears. Yet I will praise you and believe that you are the greater one and you are the healer and you are the one who will restore and redeem me. We have to start, though, with letting God hear us 
And then we begin to speak faith, believe faith from the word of God. And that's when our miracle comes. So he listens to you. Number four, he calls you his. Jesus spoke to this woman and he said, daughter. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I want, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this point. He calls you his. Many of you, many of us are going through life and we are not walking in the fullness of what God has given us because we don't know and believe that we're his. We, we lack identity. We lack a sense of identity because we don't know that we're his daughter, we're his child. A lack of identity oftentimes comes from labels. And I have some labels here. So there's two different kinds of labels. I want you to listen and hear this. I want you to hear about these two different kinds of labels. Two, one is unwanted labels. So in life, a lot of times we have an unwanted label of unwanted. And someone has put that label on us. Maybe our mom told us that we were an unplanned pregnancy. Unwanted. Or how about divorced? an unwanted label that you never thought you were going to have to carry in your life? Or how about unseen? Man, I was never picked in school. I was never the smartest in school. My teachers never really noticed me. No one ever picked me or chose me to hang out. I just have always felt unseen. How about unqualified? At work, in ministry, in your family, you don't feel qualified as a mom, you don't feel qualified as a dad or as a leader. We have these unwanted labels that people put on us, but then there's a second kind of label that we have or don't have, and that's the missing labels. What do I mean when I say a missing label? Well, I mean, maybe you want to have the label of wife, but it's not there. Maybe you want to have the label of mom, but it's missing. Maybe you want to have the label of strong, godly leader, and it's missing. It's not there. And because of that, you have struggled in your identity and in your confidence in Christ. Personally, I'm going to be real honest with you guys. For 10 years, I've said, well, I don't know how many years I've been asked, but I've never wanted to preach on Mother's Day. I didn't want to do it. I felt completely unqualified because I'm not a mom. And the enemy has made me feel unqualified long enough. The enemy has made you feel unqualified long enough. Because here's the deal. Isaiah says that he calls us by name. The Bible says, I have called you by name and you are mine. And honestly, I could be a mom and I could still be struggling with identity. Because guess what? Motherhood cannot be your source of identity either because one day that's going to change. Right now, maybe your toddler needs you for every little thing. Someday, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave the home. And if your only identity source is in being a mom, you're going to struggle when those days change because seasons will change. What are you going to do when it's all stripped away? What are you going to do when, when the, thing, the labels that you've put on yourself of leader, uh, boss, mom, wife, what are you going to do when those things begin to change or fade away and now you have nothing left? I'm telling you something. I have had to choose 
to find my identity and source of strength and source of who I am, source of purpose, source of vision, and source of confidence in being his daughter. I'm his daughter, and that's enough. I'm his creation, and that's enough. And from that flows all the things that I get to do for God. But it has to begin with knowing that you are his. There was a season in my life where even ministry had to stop. I've told you guys my, my testimony before. There was a season in my life where I couldn't even minister because I was struggling so terribly with anxiety, depression, panic attacks, and just completely debilitated. And honestly, just getting through the day, getting through the hour was a miracle. And I leaned on the people around me of faith. But during that season, man, did I struggle with identity. Who am I? What is my purpose? I'm not a mom. I don't have babies who need me. I can't do ministry, but it, I'm going to tell you something. In that season, I became so rooted and grounded in the fact that if I am nothing else, I am his. I am his child. I'm his daughter. I'm loved. I'm called. I'm chosen. We have to know that we are his. And not only am I his, but he's mine. Look, I know all of you can identify with this. In my life, I have been shaken. I have been through grief. I have been through hardship. I have been through dark seasons. I have been through loss. I have been shaken to my core. But in those seasons of shaking is where I grabbed a hold of him and understood he is my firm foundation. He is the rock on which I will stand. He is my healer. He is my source. I cannot do anything. I am telling you guys, I can't do anything apart from him. But not only have I learned that I'm his, but I have learned that he is mine. And I belong to him and he belongs to me. Look, hard times are going to come. Amen? <laughs> Life is hard sometimes. But guess what? Hard times came for Daniel who had to take a stand. Hard times came for Moses who's pe who had to lead people who only wanted to follow him when he was parting the Red Sea. Like, can you imagine being appointed leader and the people only want to follow you when you're parting a sea? Uh, I don't know if I can part one again today. Uh, I know what we did yesterday, but I don't know if that's on the agenda for today. Well, we don't know if you're the appointed one. We don't know if you're really the leader that God's given us. We need to see another sign. Okay, let me see what I can pull out of my back pocket. Let me part another sea. Hard times come. Hard times came for Jesus who suffered and died and endured on the cross. Hard times came for these men and women of God. But if we know that he is our firm foundation, then we can come through those hard times. Look, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives and abides on the inside of you. So it's time. Okay, I just told you that I went through a time of, of not feeling like I was qualified or, or feeling like I had the missing label of mom. But let me tell you something. The Bible says in Judges chapter 5 that there were few people in the house of Israel until De Deborah arose as a mother. And I looked it up. And do you know that that word arose means that she was fixed and established and firm? And do you know that the word mother in that verse, it is a Greek word that says her relationship with the people. 
And so I'm going to tell you something. As of today, I'm no longer unqualified. I'm a spiritual mother, and I'm going to walk in the fullness of what he's called me to do. I'm going to choose to keep believing. I'm going to choose to keep serving. I'm going to choose to keep rejoicing in all of the amazing relationships that I have. But so many times when we're going through hard times and we're struggling with identity and we're struggling with why hasn't God provided yet, we ignore and miss everything that's around us that's a blessing. God has placed people in your life right now. He's placed father figures and mother figures and sisters and brothers in this house that you continue to ignore and you are missing out on the blessing of being placed in a family. It's time that we accept what God has provided for us. It's time to get our fight back. As long as you see yourself as unqualified, unable, incapable, hidden, unseen, and all of those things, you will be that. But mamas, daddies, daughters, it's time to get your fight back. It's time to know the truth. The truth is you are qualified in him. Those he calls, he also qualifies. It's time to know the truth that you are a daughter. The truth is that he calls you friend. The truth is that he's giving you everything you need for righteousness. All right, number five, he acts for you. Let's look at Isaiah 64, verse 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I'm going to read it in a different ver version here in my notes. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. The beautiful part of all of these stories of Jesus is at the end of the story, he acted. He did something. And a lot of us, because our dad didn't defend us, maybe your dad didn't do something. Maybe your dad made you feel cast aside. He made you feel like you had to defend yourself against the world. He left you completely. Or whatever it may be, we lack the understanding that God does not leave us to fight for ourselves. He does not leave us abandoned or alone or shattered or broken. In fact, he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He's right there willing and able to act for us like he did for the woman with the issue of blood. There's this story in Numbers, and I'm getting close to closing. I'm, there's a story in Numbers about the daughters of Zelophehad. And it's this incredible story that I don't have time to go into. It's a whole other sermon. But it's five daughters who, based on the law, were not given what belonged to their father when he died. The law of Moses said, if a man dies and he only has daughters, give it to his brothers. So these women came before Moses boldly, courageously. They came before Moses respectfully and honored him and his leadership. And they said, hey, Moses, this is what we're going to ask for. We know the law. We know how it goes. My uncles have taken everything that belonged to my father. But I'm asking you today, we are asking you today, if you would give us what belongs to us. And Moses went and sought the Lord. He went and he sought the Lord, and the Bible says that Jesus, that God showed favor to the daughters. And he told Moses, yes, give the daughters what belong to them. Let me tell you something. God is for you, and he is on your side. And just like the daughters of Zelophehad, he, guys, the cool part about this story is that 
the law was permanently changed forever. That if a man died and had daughters, they got what belonged to them. So because these women came before God, came before Moses, their leader, respectfully but courageously and boldly, because they came and they asked for what belonged to them, the law was forever changed because of these women's courage. And God is ready to act on your behalf. He is for you. He's ready to move for you. But the question is, are you bold enough to come before him and to ask? And if you are, he will move for you. And so to the one, to the one that maybe feels like you're so trapped and stuck and frustrated that life will never be the same, God says, I am with you. To the one with pain in your body, God says, I am your healer. To the one that feels like life is so far off track and you've made such a mess of things, God says, come to me. To the one who can't sleep at night, God says, I will give you peace and I will give you rest. You see, he's provided for the multitude, but he's so interested in the one, in your heart. Not only in your heart, but in the heart of those around you. And so I want you this week to look to your left, look to your right, look around and notice the one. And let's model, let's, let's look at Jesus' model of how he responded to the one who was in need. Let's just pray. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. God notices you. He stops for you. He listens to you. He calls you his, and he acts on your behalf. Don't give up. It's time to start fixing your mind on the truths of his word about who you are in him. You are forgiven. You are loved. All that shame that you're carrying. This morning, I want you to give him the shame. Give him the part of you that feels unqualified. Give him the part of you that feels like you're missing a label. You're missing something. Some of you are in here and you're, you're covered in labels that God never intended to be placed on you. Some of you are in here and you're missing labels that you've asked God for and they haven't come. Because of that, you walk around with a secret, hidden shame. You put on a good face. You smile when you need to. You serve when you need to. Look, I may not know what it feels like to get two or three kids ready for church in the morning, but I know what it feels like not to. And I know what it feels like to drive to church and dedicate babies and then go home and grieve something that I've never had. And the miracle of motherhood has not come in my life yet. And I say yet because I'm still believing but the miracle in my life is that there's no bitterness. There's no lack in my heart. I'm full of joy. I'm full of purpose. And that is not because of who I am. That is not because of my ability. It's because of the miracle working God in my heart. And I want you to have that same miracle working power in your heart this morning. All across this place, I want you to just slip up your hand with every eye closed. Slip up your hands if you have labels on your heart that you need God to remove. 
slip up your hand if you have labels in your life that are missing, that you long for so deeply that no one can understand except for Jesus. Raise your hand if you are struggling with shame. Raise your hand if you're struggling with feeling unseen, unwanted, unhealed. Maybe you carry shame because you still struggle with sickness in your body. This morning, we're going to encounter the healer. We're going to encounter the one who died and rose again to meet every need. And man, the creator of the universe, hear me, the creator of the world, <laughs> the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, sees you this morning, the one, and he's ready to listen and he's ready to act on your behalf. If you would, all across this place, just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Lift up your hands, everybody across this place. I've seen you if you lifted your hands for prayer, and we're going to believe God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe right now that you are removing labels, removing the label of being unwanted, removing the label of someone who carries the label of abortion. You're removing that right now because you can, because you're the miracle worker. You're removing that label of divorced and broken because you can and you are able. You're removing that label of sick and you are calling your children healed. You're removing the label of unseen and you are calling your children seen and known and wanted. And you're removing the label of rejection and you're replacing it with a label of adopted as a son and a daughter. Now, Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would fill every heart that feels like something is lacking. Fill every soul that has an empty hole. Fill every heart right now that's missing and God, I pray that you would fill every man and woman in this place with the fullness of knowing that they're your child, they're healed, they're called, they're chosen. And as of right now, in the name of Jesus, we will no longer allow the enemy to make us feel unqualified. Because we are qualified and called and chosen by you in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.